UX Podcast Episode 124. Welcome to UX Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Dawn Tran Luciani. And I'm Pat Axpo. And I'm James Roy Lawson. And we're balancing business, technology, and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. Today, we'll be listening to the second part of the live user phone-ins that we started broadcasting last week. Last week, uh, last time. Yeah, last time. Yeah, They're, um, because we have so much, we have two hours when we're broadcasting live, and we chat we have so much fun talking and people phoning in mm-hmm. that um we've decided to spread it out across two episodes there's so much good content there that we just don't want to delete it all <laughs> <laughs> no so you can you can go back and listen to last week's last time the episode from last time if you want to catch up or it works to so just dive in mm. now mm-hmm. keep on listening to this where we have the the second batch of our um guests who rang in we had callers from melbourne uh, Charleston, South Carolina, Lynn Shopping in Sweden, and New, New York. York, USA. Spanning the world, mm-hmm. which is what, what we like about this, doing this actually. It's global. Let's go to part two. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hi, Tim. <laughs> How well, are we doing, guys? We're doing really well, thank you. How are you doing? I am, I am well. Yeah. It's, uh, there's, there's, there's about uh, two feet of pollen outside. Oh, oh, okay. We're not there yet in Stockholm. We've... Uh, it comes. Yeah, it's approaching. It's, it's in approaching. two weeks, I think. Then it starts. Back. The yeah. grass starts, and then we get into the other stuff. And the 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 levels of pollen here in Stockholm get to mad, mad levels in in mm-hmm. in May time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think I had a problem with pollen until I, uh, well, someone pointed out to me here in Sweden that uh, actually it is. I mean, it's just ridiculously high. But anyway, um, uh, congratulations, because since we last talked to you, Tim, you're a father. I am. Yeah, yeah congrats. And, and commiserations, mm-hmm. because also since last time we talked to you, you've stopped doing your own podcast. We did. We sunset uh, the dirt because Mark left. Is Mark that the reason why? I saw he changed well, jobs, and I, I guess that might be the reason. Yeah, Mark left, and then um, I had my son, and then Steve is actually having a kid in the, oh, geez, at the end of the month. Right. Okay. I was like We're a rock band, and he's just <laughs> disappearing everyone. Yeah. So we can, we can maybe look forward to the, 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 forma- the reformation yeah. in a few years when you, you can have gone yeah. tour again, you know, the reunion tour. But I, I miss yeah, I miss the I miss the dirt show. Uh, I I I was as I think Steve pointed out. Maybe I was the listener who listened every week. <laughs> <laughs> That's rude. Yeah, well, he said it. I, was I didn't. The listener. I mean, I I I didn't see. It. I just expressed my you know my disappointment. <laughs> it was ending. And um, That's good because I thought I was the listener. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just some kind of syndrome. We're all out here thinking we're we're alone. <laughs> we're just all listening to each other talk. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Tell us about the battery status API. I have no idea. Oh, there's some great stuff. It's actually the whole suite of device API. Mm. So we have access to the battery, the network connection, uh, the active active state. Uh, where else were they? They were I actually had it open because I was getting the link. Proximity events, ambient light. I saw come through mm. in the in the chat. So there's a lot of cool stuff where we can actually. I actually gave a talk about this a, a couple of years ago at. Uh, future web design or web apps where we can actually incorporate the environment into the experience. So you can, you can uh, judge the amount of light in the room and dim the interface, Mm. which is really cool. Uh, The, the combination of battery and network I thought was really powerful because you can Mm. say, 
uh, you know, maybe I'm going to not fire off so many Ajax calls if you don't have a good connection, mm -hmm. or maybe I'm going to send you lower quality of images. And when we saw this happen with some of the, the picture element stuff, mm -hmm. when you do a source set in the, uh, the 2X, mm -hmm. the pixel ratio, the browser actually evaluates that and it'll, it'll say like, hey, you don't really have a good connection. So I'm, I know you can handle a 2X image, but yeah. I'm not going to send it mm -hmm. to you. Yeah, I so remember that, that the, the whole bandwidth thing. I, I think that's that was so excellent to work with because, I mean, that's one of the we've been obsessed with screens for you know since two thousand and seven, eight or whatever. That you know we've got mobile screens, we've got that desktop desktop screens, but it's the bandwidth that's <coughs> often the real the real kind of killer, the thing that mm -hmm. stops anything from working if you've got two G bandwidth instead of three or four G bandwidth. So having that ability to kind of sniff the bandwidth and, and adjust yourself or just your design your app or design or whatever according to yeah. that situation is 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 it is really a game changer. So help me out here. So you're actually you're sniffing the battery life. And so what I read is that you can actually see on a quite detailed level how much battery is left. Yeah, you can tell if it's charging or discharging. And but also, like, at what percentage is it's at. Yep. So can you can use all this different data, and you can actually see if you have a record or cookie of someone going to a website and you just pull, on, pull in all this data about battery life and ambient light and whatever, uh, you can actually tell. So that's the same person who visited that site, even if they're using perhaps something like uh, the Chrome incognito window or something. Mm. Uh, so people are tracking people, are tr being tracked because of these open APIs is what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, <laughs> at some point, I think we all just need to stop being jerks about tracking people. Mm. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's so much. It's going to hate, tracker's going to track. <laughs> there's so much benefit in using these APIs and then, then there's oh, the, the bad apples. Mm. Yeah. You get, get blocked everywhere. But yeah, I mean, you can, I could say like, hey, I'm using this feature and I can see that it's draining your battery at, mm -hmm. at a pretty quick rate, so I'm going to turn it off. Or even not present it in the first place. I mean, like if you, right. if you open a website and you've got this mad spinning carousel thing and you notice that you know, on your, in your loading of the page, you, you, you realize, I mean, this guy's got one or this girl's got 2% of mm -hmm. her battery left. I mean, I'm going to be a jerk if I, if I start spinning this carousel <laughs> with you know, loads of JavaScript. I'll, I'll just, I'll give it a miss. Mm -hmm. And then you've, you know, you've, you've You've helped. You've you've done a good a good deed. Um, so so this is kind of here we're getting a little bit into um, kind of accessibility in a way, or, or rather kind of respectfulness. So respectful yeah. web. Um, I like that. Rather than you know mm. rather than just kind of spamming everyone yeah. with everything, we can use some of these tools to 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 give a better to understand people's context better, not mm. just from our direct marketing point of view or whatever, but but from their environment. Save that last percentage of battery or or, <laughs> or save their eyesight because it's you know it's This actually comes back to one of the questions we had in the chat about uh, predictions for two thousand sixteen and UX. Uh, anticipatory design is becoming big. I'm glad you said that, not me. I think I'd have stumbled <laughs> So so you're actually Based on the data you have, you know what the user will expect to happen, and you do that for them, which also ties in, of course, with agentive technology mm. and artificial intelligence. Mm. Uh, you're actually doing stuff for the user without them having to do anything. Mm. Uh, so UX, UX is moving off the screen. You're moving out of the apps. Uh, you're moving to a screen. You have your starting screen, and you have notifications. You can interact th with the notifications without going into the app. Uh, That's and what we see, like on, that. no, yeah. see on Android. You can yeah. actually pull them down an extra little bit to reveal more of yeah. the notifications. Yeah, same thing on the Windows phone. Same, yeah. On, yeah. same on iPhone. And it's nothing to do. Okay, <laughs> good. We're in a, all three of our... <laughs> see, we're, different we're, phones. We're three different platforms. I'm Android, Perz, um, iPhone, and, and Danway is um, Windows. So we, yeah. Um, what one thing that I've 
uh, from a usability point of view with with these APIs, um, how do we how do we get round the problem or the issue I see with with asking permission? Because I, I you know when you get like a, a website that wants to know you like a travel planning app mm. um, website they want to know your location so that little Chrome thing comes up at the bottom saying this website wants to know your location allow it or deny. Mm. Um, I haven't tested, but my guess is an awful lot of users just uh, oh no, I don't you know they click they click it away. Um, you know, depending on what kind of API or what device stuff need, is it the same thing with battery and stuff? Do you need to ask permission first or battery that you don't, don't need to ask? That's the thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't think battery <laughs> does need to ask. There are some right. of them, uh, but yeah, I don't think battery is one of them. I think there's one interesting one called there's a vibrate API. Okay. As well, right. Which is kind of weird because you can just drain somebody's battery oh. by vibrating their phone. Right. Ooh. But uh, yeah, there's some. I have read about some security mm. concerns like that, but it's it's kind of weird. I almost feel like that level of asking permission almost degrades the experience. Yes. It's it's a barrier. It's going to be a barrier um, to to adoption for a lot of people if you've got it explicitly. I mean, cause what, what we've seen with with apps, at least when I'm with Android, you notice that people they just say, they click accept. I mean, because it's all or nothing. I mean, if you want to use the Facebook app, you have to accept that kind of you know twenty centimeter list of permissions that it's requesting mm. for you to use the app. Um, you know, so so people with apps have kind of they've ignored now. They kind of ignore the, the choice, but then get angry when they find out what some of these companies are allegedly doing with all the data that they give permission to. And, oh, what do you mean? My telephone's listening to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but I, I think I agree with you, Tim, there, that they, yeah, can't we just get on with it already? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just all be polite to each other. Yeah. Uh, I think Kumbaya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's just do good stuff and, and not do the, the, the crappy stuff. Yeah, don't be evil. Don't be yes. evil. There we go. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Good catchphrase. I like that yes. one. Yeah, you should. You should I adopt should that. Copyright. Yeah. <laughs> something. Uh, something that I actually wanted to, to talk to you guys about. If I can, can I take more of the screen time? Yep, go for uh, it. Yeah, there's actually somebody else can actually call in right now and interrupt you. Yeah, so it's all right because if you if you don't ask an interesting question, we'll just cut you from the actual show yeah. when it's compiled. Oh, so yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, so. Uh, I wanted to get your take on user offboarding. It was the last dirt episode that we did. Yeah. Yes. And, okay. And mm. getting the concept for those who aren't familiar mm. with it, because I'm sure you don't didn't listen mm. to the dirt. It, it was a concept of getting users out of your application responsibly, because we spend a lot of time talking about getting them into yeah. the application. Mm. But inevitably, you know, we have all these startups that that exist, and they either get bought or they go out of business, or something happens, or maybe they go public. Mm. Uh, and then there's this transition of I have an application and I own it and I'm part of it. And then there's uh, the application is, is gone or somebody else owns it. And there's a responsibility to the user base of, of with their data and just the experience in general. And I wanted to get your guys take or, or all of your takes on it. I I thought it was a it was a excellent um, topic to bring up uh, about offboarding. Exactly like you say, it's it's something that. In some in some ways, it's related to the 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 the, the death um, topic we've we've discussed a bit. You know what, I, I what saw, happens after death. You I know, saw a number yesterday: uh, eight thousand Facebook users die every day. I'm surprised. It's, it's, surprised just, it's insane. I mean, I'm surprised it's that few. Eight thousand Facebook users I'm, die. I, I think we're <laughs> missing a zero because that's 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 these these 
loads of people die every day across the world, and most mm. people use Facebook now. But but offboarding, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a it's a happier variant maybe of the death <laughs> situation. But it's um, mm. it's a ch- it's a challenging <laughs> thing because if you think about some of the reasons why you would offboard, like you know you you decide to to kill off a product or mm. or kill off a um, a, a podcast or or um, or a website. Um, but it could be something else, like you got a business. Um, or, yeah. or, I mean, it doesn't have to be something Perhaps. you necessarily necessarily. We used avoid. to talk about this um, when people just uh, ditched their Twitter accounts but left them with this latest tweet they had tweeted and you went in there and they hadn't tweeted in two years. You wonder, where did they go? Yeah, uh, that's kind of an off some thing, of them yeah. just switched accounts uh, and left no note that they had switched. Yeah. Uh, I, I was actually earlier today unsubscribing from a lot of newsletters and some of them are attached to services that I've signed up for. And I just can't deal with the newsletters anymore. What, so what I do is I unsubscribe. But, but of course, my account is left. So mm. all my data up there is left in that service. And I wa- I'm wondering, why wouldn't there be like just a link for me to click that I also do not want when I unsubscribe mm. from everything, from all your messages, mm. perhaps offer me the ability to actually, actually delete my account mm. or something? Oh, see, now, oh, now, that's gonna, now we're dovetailing very quickly. Without answering um, <laughs> Tim's question, we're getting quickly into the whole um, uh, monthly active users nonsense and the kind of the 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 chase uh, from the startup world anyway of, of of these figures about how many people are using your stuff mm-hmm. and i got i was in a twitter conversation earlier this week linkedin's annoying me at the moment which quite often does but um, <laughs> linkedin's li- always annoying <laughs> it was annoying me at the moment because they've they've rolled out the the autoplay video um so in, when you're flicking through the stream videos now just play um and um, someone pointed out to me on Twitter that this is probably so that they can count you as interaction, uh, interacting, so that you you then come up in their figures of monthly active users or interacting mm-hmm. users. That you're not just looking at the feed; you're actually interacting with it, and they're sort of cheating the figures. Um, right. So coming back to don't be evil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, then, so what you're really asking is, do we have a responsibility as developers to have that offboarding process planned. Mm-hmm. And of course we do, but it like, like usability in the old days, there was no money for it. We don't have time to pay attention to that. Yeah. And unless we see bad shit happen uh, because of that, uh, we're not going to do anything, of course. I think I'm going to throw a little point in here that I think, I think in the business world, offboarding, off-boarding is going to be a real challenge and I think it's going to be a struggle to make any progress there. Because there's no money in offboarding, um, right. not 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 on the surface. I mean, you could say that long term, if if someone wants to leave your service or or you want to you want to leave them, so you're pulling back the service rather than people quitting, yeah. choosing to quit, then um, you know that's that's an extra cost you might not want to take. So so maybe the the way to make progress with offboarding is with public sector services. And, and and tools and things, maybe as 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 UXs and designers and developers that we our, our possibility to influence is going to come from non-business related services and apps that we make sure we set a really good example when we're doing something for like healthcare or for um, for schools and education that we we make sure that we make the process of of you know when your child leaves that school um, whether it's because it's come to the end of the of the natural period of being at that school that we make a really good job. Of tidying up the loose ends and, and saying goodbye, mm. um, so you've set a good example. Mm. So the seed is set to other people that then they maybe would expect that from um, business services because mm. they ex- mm. they, they learn to expect it from public service ones. 
In those cases, of, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm just wanted to add it because in those services, you can actually plan for the offboarding because you know when the child is going to finish that uh, preschool and go yeah. off to uh, primary school. Mm. So I, 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 I think I agree with you in those service sector where, where it's um, natural offboarding time for people, you, where you can actually plan for it to happen. You can design that experience to be much better. Mm -hmm. But for most businesses, they want to keep you as long as possible. Mm. Um, I guess that's a little bit harder to plan for the offboard and how to, because people off quit um, or leave for different reasons. So that might be more difficult to plan um, a nice offboarding mm -hmm. around. Yeah. Now, if you've had your project closed yeah. down in an organization, mm. it's been closed. Yes. And it can yeah. be, I mean, uh, you're not going to be able to do mm. any extra work with offboarding mm. at that point when you've kind of been shut down. Mm. So, you got anything to add? Oh, well, <laughs> oh before, I'm oh, sorry, Tim, you, you had something to add. I was wondering if there was a, maybe a, even a business opportunity in, in offboarding users, say if I have a, a photo sharing service <coughs> and I'm going to close my doors and I know that and I contact Flickr. Mm -hmm. I say, hey, I have 15 million users. I need to close my doors. Uh, if I you know, set up something where people can easily import their photos into Flickr, is there some sort of referral mm -hmm. that can happen? Mm -hmm. you know, so there's, there's a little bit of a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm closing the doors down, mm -hmm. but there's a, there's a little monetary benefit into me offboarding them cleanly into a new service. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. We've seen that. We have seen that on a few services that have closed down, haven't they? I think it wasn't... Um, um, didn't Posterius, Posterius do that when, when you know, Twitter bought them up? You know, it, was the, it was the acquisition, um, talent acquisition that Twitter bought up um, Posterius. And then, um, and then when they actually closed the whole service, didn't they, they point people somewhere else at the very, very end? Um, I think I've seen that on a Something few Something like that, yeah. But, but yeah, mm -hmm. whether there's been any kind of fun. I, don't, I think some of these ones I've seen have been more... You know, look, guys, we'll help you out a little bit. Here's what you can try, rather than being a for you're, you're always, mm. what you're suggesting that is more of a formal. You know, we can we can provide you with these users. It's more business related. Well, I like that. If you're it's a business nice, person, yeah. you yeah. want a monetary incentive. Yeah. But it would be really nice if you actually do care about your us your users as well, who have spent a lot of time on your service. Mm. So you'd like to have a nice goodbye with them. Mm. Yeah. So just at care the very more. least, use your data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give it back. Dou downloading an Excel file with your data here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you wouldn't want to just delete it straight off without <laughs> any involvement. Because some of these things that you know, you, it's your data, and you maybe want it back. If it's, mm -hmm. if it's like your photo service, um, then you don't want them to just close down and get rid of it all. That kind of offboarding is mm -hmm. is brutal. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I, I, it's a I, it's a really really interesting topic. So um, finish off. How did you offboard your listeners? We had a, our last podcast, and when we leave all the all the files up there, we're still paying the monthly service fee to host the files. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah mon monthly service fees for for files. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, no I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> James pays <Yeah>. for ours. <laughs> Power pays for other things. He pays for headphones and stuff. <laughs> I pay for the the hosting. Which um, I we <laughs> one thing. I, I'll win in the long term. I think you will. Well. <laughs> Maybe we actually um, what happened last in the autumn. Um, some people pointed out to us that only ten episodes of the show were available on like iTunes and, and some other services, and, um, and we didn't really know why at first. Said, well, all of them are still online; it's not a not an issue. Um, then I realised that our RSS feed for the website it was um, it was set to ten 
I, yeah. I don't think we'd done it deliberately. I think it was just a default setting in WordPress that I'd, I'd just missed. Um, so I thought, I got to bet, well, you know, we'll increase it. What, what should we choose? So, ah, we'll set it to 50. So we changed it to 50. And then a couple of weeks later, I get, I get an Amazon, you know, um, web services bill. And, ah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Now I understand what happens when you, when you <laughs> increase the amount of episodes available by five and increase the number of listeners that you've got during the period. So yeah, yeah I, I doubled my S3 bill overnight <laughs> by doing that. <laughs> But um, but hey, people can now access fifty episodes in the you know in, in Stitcher and in iTunes and stuff. So uh, well, that's all that matters, really. It's, it's all money. you know. It's you know. I feel good when I sleep at night. <laughs> it's funny when you you do a podcast for free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right, guys. I think I've ruined your podcast enough. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. As always. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Take care. Bye bye. Good to chat. We'll, we'll to talk you. soon. Bye yeah. bye. Welcome to UX Podcast. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> So I'm a master's student at Linköping University, mm. uh, studying cognitive science, uh, my final and fifth year. And I've been trying out uh, different prototype tools this week. Uh, everything ah, from Axure. I can, I can go through the list. Go for it. <laughs> uh, Adobe XD, Photoshop with the Craft plugin, Axure, Balsamic Fuse tools, Envision, Proto.io, Prot, Sketch, Serb, and Summarine. Wow. That nice. puts you in quite a. a I haven't position. even heard of half of them. No, but it <laughs> puts you in an excellent unique position because yeah. you you've actually had time then to 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 play with all of those tools in the same week. Um, not yeah, so many exactly, of us have that exactly. opportunity. No, uh, and I have a lot of spare time because I haven't been uh, starting writing my master thesis yet, so I have a lot of spare time. Mm. Uh, and I would say that uh, Adobe XD is like. The perfect thing to use um, after you have been doing your uh, paper sketches mm. in the beginning of a project, and especially if you want to have the developers to see or uh, try out uh, the paper sketches, because uh, I find find that uh, a lot of developers that haven't been designing uh, just like writing code have problems with paper prototypes, and if they can use the prototype in their mobile phones or tablets or desktop, they will get a clearer view of how things work. Mm-hmm. It's also, um, oh, sorry, I'm interrupting. No, I, no, haven't, a... I haven't tried it myself, but from what I'm hearing from you, it sounds a little bit like, do you sketch on paper and then you import them as as a content in in the actually program? No, no, I'm, I'm just uh, sketching on paper and then I, I drew the symbols and in the program itself, um, but I think there's a possibility to to import your sketches and just uh, use your your sketches in in other programs like uh, Proto or uh, Invision. Okay, and and the you things you draw in um, Adobe XD are they like sketchy like? Or no, okay. uh, well, you you might. Uh, use some like sketchy type but it's not like balsamic that's no. really sketchy okay. looking mm-hmm. uh, you can you can really make high end prototypes uh, with uh, adobe xd okay mm-hmm. uh, so so i i would say that it's it's easier to use than muse that's than the other adobe program uh, to create websites without uh, html or css knowledge um so yeah, it's a good program, and it's 
it's um, yeah, fine. <laughs> that's really cool that you've been able to test yeah. all of them because the, that's something we absolutely have not. Uh, and it seems like yes, of course, there are tools that are better than others and tools you can work faster with depending on your experience with them. Uh, and something we haven't talked about there is pricing, which I think is one of the things that have kept me away from Adobe yeah. is because those products are pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. And now there's a subscription model. It's not even clear that if I can buy software and download it to my computer anymore, mm. there's a subscription model and, and, and stuff like that to think about. And that's probably why I stayed clear of it. But hearing more and more people like you talking about how good it mm -hmm. is and how fast you can work with it, per, then I actually consider having a second look at it. Mm. Yeah, and also you can show the stakeholders and your boss and other people uh, the app and have like hallway testing uh, much easier than with paper prototypes. Mm -hmm. and, and well, the, the I have the stu student license mm -hmm. at Adobe CC, so it was just a, another program for me to download. Exactly. Mm. So when I <laughs> I will have to pay the full price, well, I have probably got to go with another program. Because that's another thing that happens is I, I work in a lot of different project, projects as a consultant, and sometimes we're several designers on a project, and all the designers uh, need to use the same tool for, for, for us to work effectively. And then we actually go back to something that a lot of people have, like Balsamic, everybody can get an account there, mm -hmm. Webflow and stuff like that. But not everybody tends to have an Adobe software and mm. have the experience to work with that. And that's where it fails. So mm. if you're alone in a project, then by all means, I mean, you can choose and anything. But mm. if you have, you're a team, you have to agree on something. Mm. Uh, and that's more of a problem. And that's me going into projects where I'm probably mm. uh, uh, one person coming from one company and the others are from another mm. company. But <coughs> we also, the, the whole thing with... Mm. The, the the focus on, like I mentioned before you rang in, uh, Johan, the, the focus on deliverables. I mean, this is one of the, the things you see with, with the agency model, that that some companies, they will they will sell in the production of a particular deliverable. They'll sell in the production of wireframes or Photoshop sketches or, or you know, a, a particular output. And, and that detaches them from from the, the actual work. You know, what are they trying to achieve? Mm. Um, they're, they're not... They're not maybe always that interested in how it's going to be implemented mm. because there's another company that I've got the the, the gig for so actually programming. Yeah. Um, they they might not even be involved in discussing it with them. They just have mm. to hand something over. And and I feel that a lot of situations tools become a dogma. Mm. And even if some tools are really good at doing certain jobs, um, some people become attached or obsessed with the the production of artifacts from them um, rather than like I mentioned. Um, Focusing on the the the, the 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 design problem and what they're trying to communicate and what will help us move forward, um, it becomes the the point becomes producing something in a, a, a Adobe rather than mm. the point being doing something good that's going to be implemented in a in a in a good way. I think there's some value to actually talking to the next person in the value chain if there's somebody else who's going to be accepting your prototypes or sketches or whatever you're doing talk to them beforehand, how would you like it to be presented uh, so that you can do your best job? Yeah. <coughs> and that, and that yeah. fits in with what, um, what Tom was saying, mm. Tom Grieve was saying about um, you've got to, if, with any communication, mm. you've got to understand mm. your audience. Mm. Um, so you can only produce as good a design as your understanding of who you're designing for. And mm. I think you know, in a lot of people make the, the mistake of designing for the end user. Mm. 
so you start off by producing you know this lovely thing in, mm. in Adobe or whatever that's that's a good solution for the end user but th the person you're communicating to is maybe um, you know the, the manager the product manager or maybe even the programmer so exactly like Per says you know, if you can if you can actually have a conversation with a person you're really talking to as in the the the, the guy or girl mm. who's going to be implementing it maybe that's going to be a lot more enlightening mm. um, about what tool to use or how to produce it and uh, give yeah. you a better judgment and you can maybe move faster um, even faster than using a fast tool like mm. Adobe XD, mm. um, the paper and pen might actually be the end product and it might be enough. Because mm. that's your users, mm. the ones that's going to use your sketches or your prototypes or whatever. Because mm. it's, it's not the end user that's going to use what you produce, it's the next person in the chain. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. you always think of the user, but the user can be different people. Exactly. Yeah. Depending yeah. on yeah. the process. We, as, as user experience designers, oh, I'm using that phrase. Mm. User experience <laughs> designers, we forget about who the real yeah. users of our artifacts mm. Mm. are. If, if you really like a high-end prototyping tool, then try to use Fuse tools. I think it's a Norwegian startup from the beginning, mm. and then they use uh, an own markup language they call UX markup. Okay. Is it Fuse tools. Uh, oh yeah. right, yeah, FuseTools.com. Yeah. yeah, okay. And with them, you can create amazing stuff. Really, really amazing stuff. But the problem, one of the problems, is that you have to be an uh, Apple developer to use it on your iOS device. Ah. Uh, right. The yeah. other native apps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have to create an app on on your phone. Right. And uh, Adobe XD, you can just be, uh, view a, a web page and actually and other uh, programs. Yeah. Uh, but a few tools there you can create really amazing stuff quite easy. Thanks so Thanks much. Thanks very much, Johan. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Have a nice day. Cool. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey. And something, something else that we, uh, we <coughs> didn't bring up then when talking to, to Johan was, was the, some of the other elements of, of why things like HTML is such a good prototyping tool mm -hmm. is that it gets you quicker into things like um, um, number of assets needed to download the page, which affects mm. page speed. Um, it maybe even affects oh, the page weight yeah. that we've talked about. You know, you can't set you can't set say like a, a half meg page weight budget for your for your web page and then design it in uh, one of these tools mm. because it's not going to give yeah. you a true reflection of no. your of production code ready. No. Yeah. And and that might mean mm. your design's completely wrong mm. because the end HTML is too heavy or just designed in a way which doesn't work. So right. so you know any of these tools yeah okay I'm generalizing but um I think Stephen here said when we talked to him, you've got to get into the browser as quick as possible, mm. um, genuinely into the browser mm. as quick as possible um, to help you understand these other aspects of, of, of layout and you know, the flow of, of, of CSS. And mm. I mean, now I'm talking that rather than apps. I mean, Johan uh, was also looking into to the, the way you produce designs for, for apps as well, yeah, native exactly. apps. Yeah. Um, but I don't work with native, app, mm. native apps pretty much at all, ever. So I don't have any experiences to, mm. to pull on. Mm. But... Um, now the tools, the whole tools thing. It's a, it's a very, very interesting topic. I think we need to have a, um, a dedicated show about. Um, yeah, that'd be cool about that. I yeah, mean, we talked tools. about it for a bit today, mm. but I think mm. that would be really good. Nice. So that was the end of part two. Uh, excellent conversations, uh, both in the chat uh, that we talked about and uh, from the callers. 
uh, calling and asking questions, which was uh, fantastic, as always. We never know who's going to call. And Tim Wright, though, has been on our listener phone-ins, I think, more three or four any, times. More than maybe. anyone else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that struck me that I realized, uh, thinking back now, when talking to you, one, about the uh, different tools that we use is that I think we all share the same sentiment about tools and that they can be bad in many ways, that you get stuck on one tool and you always use that. But I realize also that a lot of people do work with tools and you have to respect that as well. And perhaps they do work better with a specific tool. And uh, I probably shouldn't be as harsh as I can be when I'm, when I'm, when I'm <laughs> criticizing people who, who get stuck on tools. Uh, but that thing about talking to the people who, who are going to be uh, on the receiving end of, of what you're producing, that is really, really important, whatever you do. But you can maybe perhaps talk to them uh, based on the tool you're using and can perhaps give them the output from that mm. and talk around how they could per perhaps best use uh, the output that you do produce. I also mm. really enjoy the tools discussions. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that there are new tools popping up all the time just sh shows me that tools by themselves are very dispensable. It's just like you just said, it's, yeah. it's, it's the focus should be on its purpose and what you're trying to achieve and for whom. So yeah. even though I have favorite, you know, pencils and favorite paper stuff, um, I understand that they should, I, you shouldn't be too attached to the, the tools because of their own characteristics, but what they can produce for you should exactly. be more important. Yeah, I like that. Mm. Of course, I, mean, I, lo I love the conversation about tools and, and the process around how we design. Um, but I think I, I, I like the conversation we had with Tim about offboarding. Um, I yeah. think that's something I mentioned during the show about um, you know, the whole aspect of, of digital death, you know, all mm -hmm. the things that we leave behind. Was that's that I've thought about a lot in recent times. We discussed mm -hmm. it, me and you, um, Pat, I don't know, before. And then also now with the um, uh, with this aspect of, of, off, of user offboarding, both from a personal level, I want to stop using something, mm -hmm. to the kind of organizational level, you know, you are all going to stop using mm -hmm. this now. And, and this is a, a, it's a complex area, and as we mentioned, very challenging because of resources, that it's going to be underfunded. And, um, yeah. and it'd be really cool to see some examples um, of where it's been handled really, really well. In a good way, yeah. Mm. So we can push that up as, this is what you should do mm. now, our, our kind of you know, glowing light, our North Star, to, mm -hmm. to use an example in business context maybe, to, to pull us in that direction of doing good stuff at the end of life of, of digital experiences, mm. not mm. just the beginning. So you've collected some show notes. I saw James. Uh, put it all on me. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, well, you did. I saw you go through the chat. There were lots of links shared by the people who were listening. Uh, so lots of that well, you'll be able to find in the show Hopefully notes on the I'm website. A, I'm a bit half, at this moment in time, I'm not <coughs> completely sure that we've, we can save it from the, from blabber. Well, yeah, but well, some of the links we'll remember. I've got some mm. links anyway for us to share. Yep, and there'll be show notes mm -hmm. for that. And remember the survey, uxpodcast.com slash survey. Fill that in for us. Subscribe to our backstage uh, email list if you haven't already. Uh, you can do that also by just sending us a tweet or a direct message or anything. And coming up on the next show, I believe, is our interview with Don Norman. Yes, Don mm. Norman. That's right. We had mm. the chance to, to talk to him mm. um, a short while ago, mm -hmm. um, which was really, really good fun. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. I know you were in a bit uh, in awe before. It's the second time you've interviewed him. 
It is. Uh, I'm always in awe. Yeah. He's he's amazing. I um, I want to be like him. Just to, uh, preempting that show a little bit. I mean, I I I was blown away by how I mean he's he turned eighty at Christmas, and if I am anywhere near as tuned in and as, as smart, still at eighty, compared to Don Norman, then I'm going to be so so happy. Yeah. <laughs> out, out, off this world. Excellent. Mm. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> See that this is why they turn off when they start winding up because we're just remember rubbish. to keep moving. See you on the other side. And stay curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>